0: I don't know what the difference is between a mess and a hot mess, uh, but lately I feel like I'm in the hot mess category. I don't know if anybody else feels that. Uh, One of my favorite verses, if you haven't figured it out yet, they're all my favorite. My favorite verse, uh, Proverbs 14.4, where there are no oxen, the feeding trough is empty, but an abundant harvest comes through the strength of an ox. There's a lot of things in our life that can make us feel like a hot mess. Um, One of them is when you're just busy. And chaos, and life ensues, and things are just all over the place. Another is when God's doing something, and you are trying your best to hold on and catch up, and, and that's one of the reasons, I get two reasons I'm a hot mess lately. One is because of life is just crazy. The other is because God is doing something, like he's moving, and so trying to catch up with that, you're just, you feel like oh, now he's over there, and now he's over here, and you're trying to catch up, and so sometimes that brings a little chaos with it. So let's introduce just a little bit more chaos this morning, if we could. Um, Last week, I should have done this before I walked away. Last week, uh, Steve really felt like God had healing for people in here. Um, And so we we prayed. And we had the prayer teams come up, and, and people came forward for healing. And so this morning, what we want to do, if you're on Facebook, then you might have seen this, is if you have, and not just from last Sunday, but if lately you have a story of how God has healed you, Or how God has brought salvation to you or a family member. If God has brought deliverance to you, then we want to give a couple minutes to share what God is doing. Because then we are encouraged. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we're going to get into that, but we're also going to hear how God has moved in each other's lives. So if you have a story uh, that you can tell in two to three minutes... um, we're not looking for a, a word of prophecy or exhortation. Just if you have a story of what God has done, I'd invite you to come forward. And if you don't and nobody does, that's okay. I won't be bothered. But I'm going to stand here awkwardly. <laughs> come on forward, brother.
1: Hello, my name is Mike. Hi, Mike.
0: Hi, Mike. I'm going to hold uh, this for you. Uh,
1: Hi. I'm certain that the Lord, I went after him when I was three, but he said, no prophecy. What the Lord says for me, what I'm learning now, is when you put yourself first, you go last. When you put yourself back, he pushes you. And when he pushes you, what happens is, it happens right before you need to be done, it falls in place. It's so beautiful, I'm learning that now where things come, and it's just like, I quit worrying about it, quit being upset, and just be calm, because one thing I go for is happiness. And I've been going for that for quite a while, and the main principle is to get rid of all that happiness in your life, (laughs) one thing at a time. (laughs) You heard it? And don't let no one bring you down, and as long as you have happiness, you can... Look for joy in the bushes, hiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the uh, Lord taught me so much I mean, stories. Like, "For I do love you. I just want you to know how nice it feels inside me. And to of my soul, I go with the love I have for you. That was put together in many decades. A little bit here, a little bit there. To have the words out like that. To be here now to say that. So right now, they that read the prophecy in the book. Remember, you don't get faith by reading the book. It's hearing the word mm-hmm. you get faith. When someone says that, you get faith. When you read the book, people get to think are more than what there is, or things like that. Because the TV came out in the fifties, it made idiots out of people who watched it. <laughs> And we got generation after generation that used it for babysitter TV. And when you understand that, like when Vietnam War came, i got 30 more seconds. (laughs) Uh, When Vietnam War came, I wanted to go real bad. But I was on CY parole in California, you know, 10 years of that when I was a youth. And they wouldn't let me. And I looked at why I wanted to be. My brothers come back like kind of cuckoo. And one was more than the other, but that's the point. The point was, I wanted to go so bad because I was watching those Cowboys' Indians movies. And I had a, a, a patriot, and I wanted to go after it. That's why I had that burning desire. Not for just that way. And I looked at how TV did that to me. And it got me thinking, when really you looked at that, how I shaped my life, looking at it, because being young you got nowhere to look at to crawl. And what I'm saying, the kids that just left, that part they heard first, ain't good for them. I mean, how they took off, you know, it's a kid thing. This thing's an adult thing. Mm -hmm. You got to realize separation. Kids have, uh, our kids, okay, time up. (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) up. I mean, hey, look, I think she's growing. I'll tell you something. <laughs> here, here. You, do this. Yes, read this. I have this type of a copy. I wrote this on the new desk. On the new desk, sorry. And you can read this and uh, enjoy the thing. Uh, I just got my notebook because my copy it isn't set up yet. My internet's not set up yet. My computer uh, is all fun. Okay. I wrote sources. Soul searcher, uh, where it's a whole different about the soul, but I'm not talking about that. Uh, that's a whole different story. I'm not here to. Uh, okay, here, uh, here. You can read this. Can I read it afterwards? Yeah, out
0: loud. Oh, out loud. Okay. Out
1: loud. See what it says. Can you see the
0: prayer? Uh, a little bit. I don't have my glasses on. me read it? Well, I'll tell you, what, can, can I read it afterwards? Because um, um, we're going to come back for uh, okay, worship sorry. time afterwards, right, April?
1: Well, I just listen. Okay, same thing happens to all, everyone who forgets God. Our days are numbered mm-hmm. on this earth, are like a uh, shade that disappears, and we hold on to it. But it gives like a spider. Falls apart. In the past, things went well, but in days to come, soon things will get even better. Mm-hmm. Need to discover, to find out what our people who lived long ago taught, and what those who lived before them learned. No. After all, we were only born yesterday, mm-hmm. so we don't, don't hate to say it. With, to, with the things they said, help us to understand. Maybe the hope of ungodly people die out. Do I have free will, and how free do I want to be?
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah, something he had in there uh, makes a little sense is, uh, do we learn from those who came before us? Do we learn from the things that are there from before?
2: My name is Josh. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. I run cameras and I do the screens, so I kind of have to stand here. Because there's nobody to focus on me, but um, <clears throat> I moved down here 17 years ago from Ohio, and it didn't take long after moving here for the allergies to hit me. Um, people were like, "Oh, you've got hay fever." "Am like, hay fever?" "What's that?" Um, <clears throat> for the last 17 years, um, I thought I had um, seasonal allergies and um over the over that period of time it got worse and it got worse to the point where I was I was having to medicate myself every single day uh with Flonase and allegra and about a month ago um I started breaking out on my arms my neck and my stomach and a couple weeks went by and it was really bad and I was having to use hydrocortisone cream and um, it was at the point where I was going to have to go to the doctor and I was sitting in my family room, I was by myself and I was just sitting there thinking about, oh, I'm just going to have to go to the allergist and I'm going to have to go to the dermatologist and it was just, I hate going to the doctor and all of a sudden God said to me, why don't you ask me to heal you? um and I said okay Jesus please heal me and he said in my mind he just it's when God spoke to me he just it was in my mind it wasn't out loud I could just hear it's hard to explain <laughs> he said stop eating eggs I was For me, breakfast in the morning involves eggs, okay? Um, I could eat eggs every day, and I was a couple weeks ago, um, almost every day. So I said, okay, I'll try it. So I stopped, and about a week later, everything cleared up. Um, I don't cough anymore. Um, So, of course, I'm human. So I was like, well, I need to test this. (laughs) So, I ate egg, and it came back. (laughs) And the last two weeks, everything was cleared up. So, yesterday, uh, we made lunch, and uh, we had something called non bread in the refrigerator. And I did not know that that had egg in it. So, I don't know if you can see, but my arm started breaking out again. So, um, somebody needed to hear that here this morning. Um, It's that... I don't want to say it's simple, but it kind of is. You know, you so that's it. That's, all I'm Praise
0: God. that's awesome,
2: though. That is good.
0: And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, it's bad. It's obedience, listening, and then being obedient. And then us men do what Josh did, and we test that theory. Because that's what we do. That's why women live longer. Is else? There we go. See, this is why I'm awkward.
1: It works.
0: It works. I was just going to stare at you, but then that might have been pushing it a little too much. Uh,
3: hello, I'm Thomas. Uh, we've been coming for about. A month or two months or so, uh, it's my wife now over here. Um, my story is really comes from two weeks ago. If you were here two weeks ago, like you said, just can't explain it, it was not of this world. Uh, so a little backstory to me is uh, my family, my immediate family's like really kind of gone through it lately. Um, I haven't spoken to some of my immediate family in years, uh, just a lot of bad stuff happened, and two weeks ago. I kind of fell into a depression about that, and then I think the devil used that and turned it to hate. And um, I just hated my family, and I just had, like, hate in my heart. And uh, after two weeks, I, like, got convicted, and I just said, God, I need you to take it. Like, because there's no therapist, there's no, there's nothing that can get this off me except you. I said, I need you to take this from me. And it was just like that. I -hmm. just, like, felt the weight come off me. And I looked at my wife, and I was like, I'm going to go home and my family, I love them, and so after that, I said I texted all of them, and I said, you know, I'm sorry for like uh, what role I played in our family separating, our family kind of breaking up. But I just want to let you know that I love you, but nowhere near Jesus does, and I know the hate you carry because I carry it, and He's just waiting to take it from you. And You know, it wasn't the response that you know. Maybe I thought about after I realized it's not for them; it's for my soul. Mm -hmm. It was for my soul, and I'm telling you right now, Jesus healed me two weeks ago. um. Oh,
0: he's so good, guys. Good, come on up, sunshine. She is. She's like sunshine. She walks in the room and she brings the sun with her.
4: Well, that's very gracious because, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I say that because Mike knows um, a little bit that the Lord is healing layers, and one of them is a critical spirit, so I'm not always sunshine, but God is so gracious to me, so anyways, um, so I had a couple practice runs before my big healing um, the Lord healed me of migraines when I was a child, when someone prayed for me. Um, the Lord healed me from back tension. Um, when we were challenged to ask the Lord for healing, I kind of was like, well, maybe I'll give that a try. And He healed my back issues. Um, a few years ago, um, we, my husband and I, uh, started l- pursuing missional living in our neighborhood. And as we were pursuing discipleship, investing in people, moving from acquaintance to friendship to people of peace, and and then people who were sharing and following Christ, uh, the first person that was, like, truly sunk their teeth into discipleship was a teenager, and she's come here before, but since moved out of state. But um, anyways, so I took her to the airport one day. And at the time, I was struggling for about four years. My health really declined from mold and Lyme co-infections. And uh, I told her, I was like, I'm going to have to recover the rest of the day from this drive because it's that taxing energy-wise. And she's like, oh, wow, I want to pray for (laughs) your healing. And I was like tap her on the head. Oh, that's so nice. I truly thought she was naive. I didn't I didn't have the faith to believe for my own healing. Um, she prayed for complete healing. And from 40 days after that point, which that number is significant to me as a time of testing and trial, was the first day I got out of fight or flight in my body, my nervous system. And it was the start of a two-year uh, recovery that included It has, it's ongoing, (laughs) just layer after layer after layer, emotional, physical, um, going back into childhood trauma, uh, just all kinds of stuff, mental illness in my family, just layer after layer after layer, relationship healing, Um, and it's like one thing after the next after the next, and I mean, I could tell you for hours and hours, I won't, but um, I just know that he is able, he is able, so... And
0: then, it reminds me, I've got a, my friend Jim, and he probably stole it from somewhere, but I'm going to steal it from him, so that when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he was very clear to say, Lazarus, come out, because if he would have just yelled, come out, that graveyard would have been empty, uh, and so when Jesus gives us healing, and, and complete healing, we have, there are times where we, it's that, we don't know what else is coming out with that thing, we thought it was just one thing, but he is A complete healer, and he has wholeness, Um, and so I'm thankful for that. So, thank you for sharing that. See, there's always more. There's always more.
5: Um, Hey, everyone. I'm Brandon. Um, Brandon. This is a. I guess this is just a story about someone else's uh, nourishment and healing, not mine. But um, so last week I came to the service, and then like the after service that we had. Um, and I stayed there for, I think about an hour or so. And then like, uh, God was just like, all right, it's time to go. So my wife, uh, she actually took the, um, the kids home. So I was without a car. So I went and just walked over to Taco Bell because I was hungry. You know, everybody's hungry. And, uh, so I had, I had ordered my meal and everything and I was just sitting down there and, um, And all of a sudden, one of the Taco Bell workers comes out with a bag, like a a shopping bag. And he's like, oh, so I just accidentally made an extra meal. Do you want it? I was like, sure. And um, so completely random. And then basically, like, God in my head was like, all right, time to go. So I was walking home because we're like two miles from the church. And, uh, like, literally there was a homeless man, like, sitting on the side. Mm. And I just gave him the meal, like. It wasn't for me; it was for him, and That's it was awesome. just—it was so cool that you know, just like God provides for mm-hmm. for all of His people, and it was just so random. Just in Taco Bell, the guy decided to make an extra meal. <laughs>
4: um,
5: so anyway, that was fun.
0: Taco Bell can be a blessing. <laughs> Praise God. April, this is not my story. <laughs> this is
6: um, a text that someone sent to us. That they said we could share. So this is from the service on the 19th, which I think was the four-hour one. Um, I wanted to share this with you as encouragement for last Sunday's service. God was 100% filling the sanctuary last Sunday. I've been asking God for the gift of tongues for years. I've asked hundreds of questions of people who speak in tongues. I've had powerful women of the church pray for me for this gift. My lips have remained shut for this gift, and I just figured it wasn't a gift for me. I assume maybe my tongue language looked different than others. But at Sunday's service, God opened my lips as I was praying for someone. I wasn't even trying for this gift at that point. I was just praying. And all of of a sudden, I was speaking in tongues. I said, really, God, now? I wasn't even asking for it. Anyway, I wanted to sit with it for a while to make sure that I wasn't imagining it, and I feel certain that God has finally given me this gift. I wanted to share that with you. It was a powerful service, and God was
0: working miracles. Amen. Well, we're going to have another time of prayer uh, after service. Uh, I can't remember if we already said it or not, but what we're going to do is, like last week, we're going to break. Uh, when we're done here, we're going to take a quick break, 15 minutes, so if you've got kids, you can go get your kids. If you need to leave, you can leave. If you want to run over and get a quick Taco Bell bag, you can do that, too. Like, Taco Bell's going to get busy today, I guess. Uh, they're not a sponsor of Vintage, I promise. Um <laughs> But then we're going to come back after 15 minutes, and we're going to have some music on. We're going to take some time to pray and to worship. Um, there's not really going to be, uh, well, April's going to be leading things, but it's, it's leading, like, keep controlling the chaos. Uh, so we're going to come back and have a time of prayer and worship. So uh, stick around if you can. Uh, if not, that's okay. There's no guilt for anything. Like, we're, what we're doing is we're making space, not forcing a move, but making space. Because if we're asking God to move, if we're asking for revival, if we're asking for renewal, and if we're asking for God to move and strengthen power, then we make space for that. And when we make space, we're saying, Jesus, I, I, I want to see you. So if you can come and make space with us, then awesome. If not, you'll hear about what happened next week. Um, and that's okay, too, because that encourages us as well. So I was going to go through... 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, and I was going to go through them verse by verse. We don't have that much time. So this is difficult, because I want to talk about generosity. uh, And I want to talk about generosity as a response to God's faithfulness. Generosity as a response to what Jesus has done. Generosity as a response to Jesus redeeming everything that we are and everything that we have. And so I really wanted to go through all these verses. I'm not going to have time to do that. But if you want the notes, send me an email, and I will send you all the notes. Um, hmm. Hmm. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I think do that for a second. Uh, So I'm going to give you two definitions real quick of generosity, a technical one and a non-technical one. The technical one is the virtue of one who is free from pretense or hypocrisy. The virtue of one who is free from pretense or hypocrisy. It's an important definition. But a non-technical one would be the way you handle your resources because you are secure in who you are. So that brings up a question. Can you be generous without following Christ? Yes. Like, we could just, it's okay to admit that. Like, generosity is not a uniquely Christian trait or attribute. If you have millions of dollars, you might be generous because you have security in your finances. You might not be generous, but you could be. If you have nothing but time, you might be generous with your time because you know you've got plenty of it. So so generosity is not a uniquely Christian trait, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about generosity as a spiritual discipline and generosity as a response to who Jesus is. Because as Christians, we're generous not out of our abundance, but out of our security in Christ, right? So uh, I think about the woman, uh, it's in the Gospel of Luke, the woman who gives out of her poverty. She gives everything that she has, and Jesus says she's given more than them because she's given out of her poverty they give out of their abundance. We, we can give out of our abundance, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about it, again, as a spiritual discipline, as something that we do out of our love for God. It's, it's a response more than it is an initiated action on our part. It's a response. Because the focus of of generosity is Jesus and others. It's freely giving away what we have, lovingly giving away what we have with a glad heart so that Christ is honored and others are blessed. I would also say that to be a generous person, it's intentional and systematic. Like I can look at, um, well, look at Larry. He's right here. I would look at Larry and I would say Larry is a generous person. Not because he's spontaneous with it. He, he can be, and you can be. But I, 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 I've known Larry for a little while now. I've been hanging out a little while, over eight months. I would say Larry is intentional and um, systematic with the way he's generous. So I characterize him as a generous person. Now, it, because we're not going through all the verses, I've got to jump down real quick. When, when I'm talking about generosity, and it's okay is when you hear that word, instantly you start thinking money. Like, it's, it's something we do, because we live in the West, in a culture that's affluent, and we have money, and, or we want money. You know, uh, Madonna, I'm a material girl, and it's a material world. Remember that backwards? It's a material world, and I'm a material girl. Thank you. <laughs> we think about money, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not not talking about money. But I'm not just talking about money, because if when we hear generosity and we think generosity, if all we think about is money, then we are missing so much. So I'm going to read all of these verses, chapter 9, verse 6 through 15, and then I'm going to jump to the meat. There's no appetizers today. So, 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he scattered, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, The one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. They will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with others through the proof provided by this service. And they will have deep affection for you in their prayers on your behalf because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The word of the Lord. So I'm going to jump down to verse 10. We're just going to go to verse 10 and hang out here for just a little bit. Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvestness of your righteousness. The one who provides seed for the sower and bread for the food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God gives seed to the sower. You and I are the sower. God is the one who gives. He, he gives generously. He gives continually. God gives us everything that we need. I worked with a guy years ago. Uh, he taught me all sorts of fun phrases. Right after I came to Christ, he would he'd call me all sorts of fun names. Um, but I learned things. Like, he was like, oh, you're one of them Jesus freaks. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Are you a holy roller? I don't, is that a dice game? Like, I don't know what we're talking about here. But so we, he, we would get into these conversations. I'm brand new to the faith. Like, I had just come to Christ... Uh, working construction, um, saved, not quite sanctified yet. Uh, so we'd get into all these conversations. And so I asked him one time, I was praying before lunch one day, because I knew I was supposed to do that, that much I knew. And so I was praying, and he said, well, why do you pray before you eat? I said, well, because I'm giving God thanks. He goes, I don't pray before I eat. He didn't believe in God either, so why would he? <laughs> it would have been weird. But he's like, I don't, even if I did, I wouldn't pray before I worked for this food. I had to do the hard work. I'm the one who did everything. I I don't pray before I eat. And I said, well, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think you could work unless God gave you the strength to do that, so you could at least be thankful for that. God gives us everything that we need. In the book of Job, uh, it talks about God gives us the breath in our lungs. Like, even the breath, that was a gift of God. Every time we take a breath in, it's another gift. He gives us everything that we need. God is the one who gives over and over and over again. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? That whoever should believe in him would have eternal life. Shortened version. God gives us everything that we need. Why? Well, because he loves us and because he wants us to sow it back out as seed. There's a quote from Basil the Great, which I like and dislike at the same time. It says, The bread you do not use is the bread of the hungry. The garment hanging in your wardrobe is the garment of the person who is naked. The shoes you do not wear are the shoes of the one who is barefoot. The money you keep locked away is the money for the poor. The acts of charity you do not perform are the injustices that you commit. So I sit, in my office uh, is in the back of the garage, and we don't have a closet, so a lot of our clothes are hanging up in my office in the garage. And so I'm reading this quote and I'm looking over at all these clothes, some of which I have not worn in quite some time. And there's, there's this thing where it's like, I think it's, uh, if you haven't worn something, oh, I forget what it is, in like six weeks or something, maybe. what is it? 90 days. 90 days. If you haven't worn something in 90 days, you're not going to. So what does that tell you? Get rid of it. But we don't. Why? I don't know. I mean, some of them, okay, I get it. There's jerseys, things like that. But generally, we have a lot of things that we don't use. And so I'm sitting there reading this quote from Basil the Great. I mean, he's great. And I'm looking at these clothes and going, ugh, so who could those clothes take care of then? God has given me something that I can give out. And that's why, again, we're not just talking about money. I know generally people um, fall into two camps with generosity, and we talk about money. There's usually one group of people who goes, oh, money. Church just wants my money. Well, we don't. We keep it. Then there's another group that goes, oh, money. I'm so glad they didn't want my time. Both of those are problems. So I want to give us three things that we can look at that we can give generously. The first is time. The second is talent. And the third is money, time, talent, and money. Time, Luke 2.36, talks about a woman named Anna who was a widow. Her husband died after seven years of marriage. Seven years of marriage, her husband dies. And from that time on, she spent time in the temple worshiping, fasting, and praying. She did this for about 60 60 to 61 years. She could have remarried. She could have done a lot of things with her time. And instead, she chose to be generous with the time that she had and give it all back to God. So that when the the Messiah, the baby Jesus, is brought to her, she's like, this is him. This is it. I've been praying for 61 years. Thank you. She could have done so many things with her time, but she chose to give her time to God. And I get it. We're busy. I'm busy. You're busy. We're all busy. But as my wife says, you choose your busyness. Like, you make time for what's important to you. You always do. So if you look at your, your calendar and you see the things that are on there, those are, those are the things you put on there. And you might say, well, I have to go to work. Yeah? Get a different job if you don't like that one. Like, if that's not how you want to spend your time, like, you choose what to do with your time. I choose what to do with my time. So when I don't like how my time's being spent, I'm the only one to blame for that. Because you choose, you are busy. The time that we have, Jesus says, or Ephesians says, redeem the time because the days are evil. Like, we get to choose what we do with our time. And God says, why don't you give some of that to me? Be generous with your time. Give it to others. Like, when I say give time to God, I'm not just talking about serving here at Vintage. Yes, you can. There are plenty of ways to serve, and plenty of things that need to be done, and plenty of things that you can do. But there are so many other ways to be generous with your time. Like, you can can go volunteer at a food bank or something like that. You can choose to to participate in in foster care things. You can you can just decide, Jesus, today I'm just going to go for a walk and trust that if you have something you want me to do, that you'll put it in front of me. That can be generous with our time saying, I'm not going to put things on my calendar right now. I'm going to leave it wide open for you, Jesus. And yes, I'm going to go do the things I have to do. But before all of that, you get this time. So if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me. If you want to use me, you can use me. Whatever you want to do, Jesus, you get this time. And we can be generous with that time. We can give it to our family. We can do all sorts of things with it. Because the thing with time is there's no refunds. Like if you spend it in a way you didn't like, you don't get any of that back. So be generous with it. We get to give it away for Jesus. Um... I'll let you in just a little, like there's, no, I'm not going to say that. There's so many ways we can be generous with our time. Talent. We can be generous with our talents and with our, with our skills and with our abilities. Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but it says, the Lord spoke to Moses. Look, I have appointed by name Bezalel son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and the ability to craft, to design artistic works of gold, silver, and bronze, to cut out gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every craft. God wanted his tabernacle to be built. So what did he do? He gave somebody the skills to do it. And then he said, hey, will you give those skills back? We have some amazingly talented people in this church. Like, when we look at, like, these signs and and things like that, when um, uh, we just had uh, Christmas a little while back, and they had decorated, like, amazing things that people in this church have said, I want to donate and be generous with the talent that God gave me and give it back to him. We use our talents for God's use, for his kingdom. We, We use the abilities that he's given us for his glory and for his kingdom and for his work. We use the talent that we have. For God's kingdom, Mallory two weeks ago shared how she wants to start using her talent for God's kingdom. Hair tools, skills. I don't know. I don't have hair. Jana does this, (laughs) like obviously. You, if you and Jana want to get together and figure out how to make this happen a little bit better, I'm okay with it. But like Jana does this as well, right? They use hair skills for Jesus. Like, there's nothing that you can't use for the kingdom. Any skill you have, any talent you have can be used for the kingdom. We, we have mortgage people in this church who, while they probably could be with other agencies making a ton more money, they choose to work with an agency to help people get into homes in Jesus' name. Like, mortgage skills. Any skill or talent that you have has been given to you by God for use. For, yeah, make your money. I'm sure this guy, Bazel, did other things in order to, to bring a living in for his family. Like maybe he traded skills for crops and different things. It, it doesn't mean you just use it for God, but you use it for Jesus as well. So what skills do you have that Jesus can use if you were generous with them? Um, there is a, I'll say even for kids, kids are really good at like finding stuff, like not their things, but other things. Um, so I remember years ago, we, so this is just to let you know, like kids, like, and I know we don't have little, little ones here, but youth and under, just so you understand, you're not excluded from this. We were with a church when we were in Maine that had this ministry that, um, provided uh, stuff that you need when you move into a home for the first time. Things that you don't often think about, like uh, blankets, a pan, a pot, two cups, two forks, two spoons, two knives, unless you've got three people, and then you get three of each one of those things. But so they, what they did is, like, uh, people who are moving from homelessness into a home, Would work with their case manager, and their case manager would send over a list to the church and say, Hey, can you guys get these things together? We need two pillows for this couple who's finally moving into a home. And so, what we would do is we would go into the the trailer and we would pack these things together. But then, when we got low on supplies, we'd like, for the youth, we'd send them out. And we'd be like, Go find 25 toothbrushes and go. And they would, they'd go to a dentist. And they would just walk, because kids have no shame, they'd walk into a dentist and they'd be like, hey, I need 25 toothbrushes. And the dentist goes, I can give you 50. Right? Go into a hotel and say, hey, do you uh, have any sheets that you guys don't need anymore? Like they would use the skill that they did have, the talent that they did have of being able to ask for things unashamedly for Jesus. it doesn't matter what the skill, like, there's so many ways that we can use our time and our skills and our talents generously for the kingdom and money. David was called to build an altar to God. So he comes to Arona's house to buy the man's threshing floor, and the guy offers it to him. And David says, no, I will, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David knew that if he was going to offer to God, it had to come from his heart and his wallet. When they were building the tabernacle, the order went out for the people to bring whatever they could to build the house of God. This is the same one that Bezalel was, uh, was crafting everything with, but he couldn't craft something from nothing. So they put out the order, like, bring whatever you can so that we can build the temple to God. And the people brought too much. So then Moses gave an order, and they sent this out throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing more. Exodus 36.6. The people were restrained. The people had to be told, stop bringing offerings. We're good. No church has ever put out that announcement. We will find somewhere to use those resources. But what what was the point here? The people were joyful and glad that God was in their midst. And to have a tabernacle meant that God was going to be their God. He was going to dwell with them. He was going to be their God and they were going to be his people. How could they not help but bring offering and sacrifice and worship to that cause? He had just brought them out of Egypt. He had brought them out of 400 years of slavery and captivity. He was fulfilling the promise. He was going to bring them into the promised land. So when the order went out, bring the things that you have so that we can build the tabernacle for God. The people went, absolutely. Where did these poor people get all this stuff? Well, The Bible tells us before this even happened, God said, I'm going to have the Egyptians send you out with plunder. So when I send you out from the land that you're currently captive in, you're coming out with gold and silver and jewelry and earrings and gemstones and everything. They're going to give you stuff to take with you. They didn't know at that time that it was going to be required of them. But it was. And so they were willing to give it. They were already prepared for the thing that God was going to do without even realizing it. So in the church, we take up 10%. 10%, right, as a tithe. But here's the thing is 10% is not a standard. It's an example. Because God is not really all that concerned with your 10%. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. Years ago, when my family first realized we needed to start giving, there was no way on earth we could do 10%. Why? Because our finances were a mess. Like, plain and simple, we were horrible with money. Like, so bad. We, we both grew up with a very poverty-poor mindset. Money comes in, you've got to spend it real quick before somebody tries to take it from you. So it took us a long time. So we were like, okay, what can we do? So I think we started with like 2.5%. We were like, okay, 2.5%, we can do that. And at first, because I'm a performance-based person, I was like, this is, God doesn't accept this. But he was like, I just your, your heart is after me, and that's what I want. So if you can't give 10%, don't, don't stress about that. And don't let anybody else put pressure on you or make you stress about that. God doesn't care about the percentage that you give, whether it's two and a half or 25 and a half. God doesn't care. What God wants to know is, is your heart turned towards me? That's what he wants. Is, is God, is the gospel a factor and a consideration when you make your budget? I, I you know, there's two reasons I don't have a problem with talking about money in church. One, because I know I don't have anything to hide anymore. Like, I, I, know I don't have anything to hide. I, I know, like, when I sit down and make my budget, God is right there at the top, unfortunately at this moment, under Uncle Sam. Because they, they take it off the top. But I know in my heart, God, it's all yours. If you want me to do something, I'll do it. Now, sometimes I forget, but that's really just a slip of the mind. Like, I, I know that. I don't have no problem with that. And number two, because uh, I don't work here. Like, I'm not paid by the church. This is volunteer. But I ask for money all day long because I don't get any of it. So I don't care. But that's how free we should be with things. It's like, I don't care. It's just money. Like, I, I talk to my wife all the time about things, and I'm like, oh, you know what I want to do? And she goes, that costs money. I'm like, I don't care. It's just money. It's a made-up thing to begin with. Let's just pretend. When we, when we budget, when we're doing our finances, do we look at that and go, God, you're in this. Like, this isn't something that's excluded from you. Because then the point of all of this is not to earn Jesus' presence or grace. You don't earn anything from God, you respond to what he has done. to, To be generous with our time, our talent, our money, is to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you're first. And I want to practice things that help me place you first. And some of those things hurt. But it's okay. Because I want to die to myself that you might be prominent in my life. The worship team can come up. Um, we're going to close out. Um, and we're going to go into a time of response. And, and one of the things is, is with this is, is verse 11. So all that time was just verse 10. So again, I got notes if you want them. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God. So in everything that we do, in, in every way that we give back to Jesus, in every way that we're generous, uh, we're generous with our time, our talent, our resources, Jesus says, don't worry, I've got you covered. So again, time. Is there time in your life that you need to set aside to be generous to with God? And this is not your devotion time. This is time that you're giving away. That you're saying, okay, Jesus. What do you want to do with it today? With your skill, whether it's your business skill or some other skill that you have. Playing piano, like, this is beautiful. Because, let's be honest, he's going to wake up early every Sunday that he comes to play. Alex was playing earlier. He's demonstrating for us what it means to be generous with our time and our talent. It's for God. It's for His glory. It's for His use. And our money. And say, Jesus, you can have it all. I don't care. And in doing that, we see that God blesses us in every way for every good work. So it's just...